Hey friends, this is Rob. So Kay and I let the Thanksgiving holiday get the best of us, but we didn't want to leave you guys in the lurch, so here's a previously unreleased screenwriting therapy episode. While the references may be a few months old, because that's when we recorded this, the content is the same kind of goodness that you've always come to this podcast for. And we'll be back with new fresh goodness next week. That being said, enjoy the show. Hello, my name is Robert Higgins. And I'm Kay Tuxford. And this is Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms from the perspective of writers just like you. This week, Kay and I are doing another uh, screenwriting therapy session. And, um, you know, we're going to sort of, you know, these episodes are a little loosey-goosey. Kay Tuxford? Um, accurate, accurate, which is why when you said the word expression, you added in extra syllables. Yeah, there's, I'm just, I don't yeah, know like, what we're going to let it happen. We're going to let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, the world sucks. Um, yeah. So, part of- you know, we're all on fire and we're just trying to learn to living, you know, uh, with the flames. And, um, yeah. and I think a lot of this is definitely sort of co- contributing because you see these, you know, these shooters getting younger and younger. And I yeah. think that's, you know, sort of the information is because we talk about the fact that, you know, um, your brain is not fully developed until around age 25. Yes. And, you know, my son tells me that all the time. He's 21. And I'm like, do you want to have a beer? And he's like, I'm waiting till my brain develops. Um, that's, that's like my son in a nutshell. He's just like, no, no, protect the brain. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, your brain isn't fully developed and you have these, you know, these young people who are out here with these sort of nihilistic viewpoints, doom scrolling, the same as the rest of us. Yeah. And it's, I could very easily see how, you know, someone, you know, 17, 18, 19, um, you know, these Kyle Rittenhouse, Dylan Roof motherfuckers um, can become radicalized. Um especially considering, you know, certain, the way things are in certain homes, Um, you know, just, I can see how that could become a thing and how it could seem like if you're heading in, because at that point you're heading into your adult life and you start seeing the people around you, they're unhappy, they are working themselves half to death, they are broke and tired and complaining and I yeah, can and just then, see that. Uh, and know, then on top of that, we're, we're speaking as a screenwriter, you know, like yeah, I can just see it. On top of that, yeah, we're showing a lot of media where everybody, you know, um, income inequality and some of the issues aren't really covered in a lot of our entertainment, you know, and mm-hmm. part of it is it's escapism, but then that starts to create a disparity in your mind, which is I shouldn't be having these problems. Right. I mean, if you want to see a show where you're like, oh God, if this feels accurate about what it's like, the show on Netflix made uh, is is absolutely kind of tackles income inequality and how fucked some of our things in our system is. It's about a, a woman leaving a, an abusive partner and she becomes a maid to get her and her daughter out of there. Um, but that um, is a really hard watch. I wouldn't necessarily put that on to chill out with my friends on Friday night. Um, <laughs> You know, and it's much easier to watch uh, shows where people are not experiencing this sort of struggle, where if somebody 
get sick, they go to the doctor. Uh, right. You, you know, I, I've had points in my life, especially once I finished grad school um, and well, not grad school, but I think I, once I was 25 and it was up to me to get my own insurance. I, I remember there's a period of, I think myself or my partner got strep throat and we just basically sat at home and said, we'll wait it out. And if your fever goes up to like 105, then we'll go to the doctor, you know? And normally you're, you should just go to the fucking doctor. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you suddenly, you suddenly are making these choices that your movie characters don't have to make, you know, they're, they're going and getting their latte and things are fine and they're not carrying the same anxiety that you're carrying and it's escapism. But then once you've escaped and then you, then you look around later, you get mad um, and frustrated that these are your problems um, and they, it doesn't feel like you can do anything about them. Yeah, the, my thing is, is like when you see movies where like, you know, you do couples or, or, uh, or like some, you know, like a group of friends where one person is unemployed um, <laughs> and, you know, and they seem to be the one who's just like footloose and fancy free. Um, you know, you don't see the necessarily like, you know, the, the embarrassment of the one person, but also sort of like, you know, the, like, like the, the strife, like the, the tension yeah. between people who are just like, you know, this person doesn't have any money. And so anything that you have to do, like somebody has to cover them and then it's like fine for a little bit. But then once it starts really digging into your own finances, you're like, okay, like, I, I love you, but like, I can't you know, help you. I can't help yeah. you. Like, I, I can't help you. And we don't have those kind of it, like conversations on TV. Like we don't have those kind of conversations in movies. Like, you know. Right, right. Where it's like, oh, you know, I can help support you this week, but you know, I got to keep my own lights on next week, you know. Right. It's like, it's like you, if you have somebody who's drowning at sea, you have to be careful because they could, in their panic, pull you down and drown. Pull you down, well. right. Yeah. You know, and it just, you know, and like you said, you know, we have these sort of, you know, uh, especially in terms of music, um, you know, where everybody's like balling hard and, you know, just like, I got all this money and the stuff in the face. And you're like, okay, well, cool. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. And you're like, well, that's nice. I, I, uh, uh, I had a really luxurious purchase last week. Uh, <laughs> I bought a five pack of underwear. Oh my God. Yes. Very luxurious. Uh, and a new pack of socks. And I was just like, this is a special day. Yeah. I feel um, like that when I buy pants, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to buy, I'm going to spend $20 on a pair of like, uh, <laughs> or a pair of Wranglers at Walmart. Oh my God. I'm such a rebel. Yeah. I spent $20 on pants. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you and I are both parents, so sometimes it's hard to find money uh, for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll walk out like a hobo, and my kids will look, they'll look nice, um, which I'm like, that's that's the goals there. Um, right. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's, as it should be, but uh, yeah, when you actually spend money on yourself or something, I don't think it's a... Uh, uh, people are necessarily spending as, as ludicrously as you would see on TV. Um, and oftentimes like those, those necessaries, you know, like for me, I'm like this week, I was like, oh man, my paycheck's in, where did all my money go? And I looked at my account and I bought groceries. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, let's not, let's not pretend like it was this big, uh, to do, um, yeah, gas and groceries, uh, and, and bills and, and you're done. Yeah. Gas um, is, is, is a, is a big thing right now. Gas and, and you know, um, yeah. and groceries and, and, you know, you know, and my car payment, um, you know, and any yeah, sort or rent. Of yeah. loans you might have or whatever like that, you know, between like, I know one loan and another loan, um, you know, it just is what it is. And, and I'm going to lead this into, we, you know, we're having a therapy session, so I feel like nothing's wrong here. No, um, no, I'm this lead is the into, Lucy Goosey, but go ahead. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to lead us into, I think it, it, it permeates filmmaking mm -hmm. and it permeates a lot of uh, DIY filmmaking. Um, because, yeah, I was going to say, because a lot of times the people who are going to support you and be a part of your team, if you're doing an indie, um, they're going to pop on for free or low budget. Um, if they're struggling, they can't really do that, you know, right. and it, you know, if they're sitting there going, uh, I had a short film, um, I did many moons ago. Um, but we had a guy who wanted to be a producer. He worked really hard to help get the production all together to go. And then his regular job called him into work and he didn't be there on his own production. And, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, if, if you, if you want to pay your rent, you know, you, you're, a, you're beholden to your job and your other things that you have to do. And, you know, people find it's very difficult to coordinate all those things and make a project and the DIY, just because you're navigating all these stress elements we've just been talking about. And it's, it's hard. And I, I think, um, we were, we were going to invite, uh, two, two weeks ago, there was a really interesting tweet we talked about where Noam Kroll, uh, was discussing like just make a short film or just make yeah. a film and the agent will come and I'm going to just say because of all the elements going on I think if you can you should right you know and you should do something even within your means as we talked last week about like Meg Cashel's project uh and that was a five minute short film it was very fun they filmed it in half a day and I think in um Filming in post, I think uh, it was reported in an article that it was about a thousand dollars to make. Yeah. And so, so like you don't have to make the next Godfather on your budget, but if you can make something that's in your means, it's definitely good, um, and you should. But at the same time, I think a lot of people when they first saw that tweet from Gnome, um, the anxiety, as you're saying, the great American anxiety, kind of mm -hmm. took over. Uh, which is just like, how can I do one extra thing on top of all the other things I'm doing? Well, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, there, the, the anxiety of it is, uh, I also think that anxiety of that also contributes to what we expect of ourselves because of the fact that we're putting so much into like these no budget, you know, yeah. like, you know, because it's a, it's a domino effect. You don't have any money. So you can't afford to pay people. So, so because you can't afford to pay people, you know, certain people can't afford to help you, which means you have to do more jobs. So you're, because you're, again, like creatively now you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, yeah. where you're, if you're, you know, the best work that I've ever done, and, you know, I've always had a, a, a person who's operating the camera who's not me. And so, if I'm operating the camera, I am my, everything else suffers. You know, yeah. I can't do it anymore. I cannot do it. And I'm sort of, you know, it, for me, it's not even worth doing the project if I'm operating the camera because it's, it's not going to be good. 
because I my, my focus is is too much on the camera and not what's happening on screen. Um, right. So you know you're doing too many jobs, and now you know then you um, do something that you know you put your heart and your soul into, and then it comes out not good because you were doing too many jobs because you didn't have any money, so you couldn't hire any crew, and then you you know you then you you have this thing at the end of it and. It's done, sure, but it's like I don't necessarily want anyone to look at it, or you know, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And you know, then you're thinking, I suck, you know, I'm terrible, I am so bad. And then it's like, you know, then someone comes along and they say, you know, just make a film, just make a film, and you'll do the things and stuff in the face. Yeah. And you know, you're just as much as indie film as I am, and I'm very indie film, you know. Same I, here, same yeah, here. And I, know, don't, I don't and feel like we're betraying our roots. I think we're no, just, but we're I, do I, think, I think we're embracing where, how nuanced like, you know, this is. Yeah, yeah the, the sort of, you know, it does take a lot. And there is a certain amount of crew that you have. Of course, if you're, you know, if some people can do it. Like, you know, if you watch, uh, if you've ever watched a Darius Britt video, he does a very great, like, sort of really good breakdown of, like, how to be a one-man crew. But I couldn't do what Darius does. That kid is clearly operating on a different level than I am. And I, I just can't. I just cannot. And he sort of uh, does what you should do, which is if you're going to be that person who is, you know, like Darius, like not just writing, but directing and shooting and sometimes even acting in the short while he's on camera. Uh, John Soares is another one, um, you know, who's, you know, if John's on screen, you know, he's not holding the camera, but he's not far from it. And he's still directing and writing and like all of these different things. And when he's not on screen, he's on the camera. Um, yeah. You know, it's just some people can do it. Some people absolutely can. But that's not rest of us. You know what I mean? That's, that's yeah, definitely not, not a, the rest of us. I'm not an on-screen person. No, I'm not an on-screen person. And I'm, and I'm not, a, I'm not even a camera. I mean, I, I love cameras and I, I, and I, and I know settings and I know video settings yeah, and I, I can think, talk camera, you know, tech, but, but it, I, I don't do cinematography. It, yeah. Especially if you're, if you're part of a camera crew, I think, you know, especially from the writing world, um, one thing we probably don't appreciate about what a camera and a camera team are, are doing is oftentimes, number one, they have to make sure that everything that you're performing is appearing in that little box and screen and frame, um, which is small. It's very small. And then on top of it, it needs to be in focus. And if people are moving around and going foreground to background, you have potentially somebody pulling the focus actively in the shot mm -hmm. um, to make sure that everything is covered. And um, and you know, so, so if you're a camera, sometimes all you're looking at is just the focus to make right. sure that, you know, so you can't sit there going, oh, that performance sucked. Um, maybe you might catch something where you're like, oh, that performance was so bad. Like it did not look good on camera. Let's yeah. watch that. But for the most part, you know, they're just sitting there going like, did we get it? Did yeah, we get well, the things? Was we... it in focus? Was it, was the, was the color right? Was the light, was the light right? Yeah. Did the scene stay in frame? Yeah. All right. of those elements, they're juggling just the technical stuff so that creatively it, it plays on the screen. And so, yeah, it's, that's one very technical side of camera, which, by the way, camera people I mean, love you. So that's, that's actually really that's that's really brilliant. I've always thought, like, if you're going to think about it in terms of like what you're really trying to do, is that when you think about the camera and the lights 
are, yeah. um, I think there's a reason why someone is called a director of photography. The camera and the lights are a second set of actors yes. that have to coalesce with on screen with the actual actors. You know what I mean? They are, they are creating another dance that is happening at the same time. They are the, uh, the, the two of them are linked. And the reason why, you know, movies work is because when you get a scene that is, you know, both of those things are working in tandem. Um, and you have these folks that, you know, you, like you said, you have the, the, the cameras in both in focus and the actors are in frame and the actors said the line at the same, at the, at the right cadence and the right speed with the right they're humor. Doing their and, right, yeah. all of that has to work. And so if you're trying to manage all of that and, you know, you haven't had any sleep because you were up the night before making, making sandwiches props. for everybody, yeah, sandwiches yeah. and props for everybody, you know, and then, you know, you're trying to do all of that yourself and you've never made a film before, there's no one, there's no way in the world that your film is going to come out in any sort of way, shape or form that is going to necessarily be in exactly the way that you intended it. Maybe you'll get lucky and like, you know, things will just work out. That's, that's very fine. But, you know, that's the exception and not the rule. And yeah, and it's just like our first screenplays don't turn out. I mean, I don't know about you, but my first screenplay, no. I, it's not something, I mean, I like to tell people about it just so they understand how you can grow mm -hmm. uh but it's like i wouldn't send that to the nickel or or the academy and be like we're done i've screenplayed i won yeah. you know <laughs> yeah and it just you know you're gonna you're gonna but you will learn a lot uh, like the, the, the experience is very much worth it um I, I won't argue that the experience is very much worth it um you know of being of putting those things together and, and certainly you know under the budget under the gun you know you're going to take a lot of lessons away from that again i'm not saying that you shouldn't make a film if you don't have any money but i'm saying is that don't you sh we shouldn't go into these things expecting that we're going to be francis ford coppola out of the box you know what i mean like you're not going to have that you know that marlon brando scene where he's looking at his dead son and you can see like you know, the, the way that uh, Marlon Brando's face is hidden in shadow, you know, that, you know, you're not going to have that kind of, And, and that was know. the culmination of an entire film team. Right. An entire film team. It wasn't like Coppola having mastered lighting and cinematography and, uh, you know, sound. Like, mm -hmm. he, what he learned is who to hire or who he wanted to work with that would help him with his vision. Right. There's, you know, you know, there's very few DIY filmmakers, especially at that level, that are like, no, no, I'm doing everything. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and you just, you, you know, even, you know, the genius, geniuses work, with, know, know that they should work with other geniuses in order yeah. to make them look more like a genius. Um, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, you, and and that, you know, to find another genius in their department is probably not you, like, bringing your sibling on to be the boom op. Right, you know? you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's not that. But at the same time, um, you know, you are going to take, um, you know, experiences, you know, away from making, like, micro-budget shorts or features. Um, and you, you never know. You could, you know, it, like, sometimes you do have those, like, uh, sort of, you know, lightning in a bottle like that. This is John Duplass Brothers style. Um, but if you look at that movie, like the best thing that I can sort of say about that film is that it's not great. It's not like the best film of all time. It's not like, no. you know, like somebody's looking at it and be like, wow, look at the lighting. You know, Mark Duplass will tell you like there's a dead pixel in the middle of the screen. 
um, you know, there's a, you know, sort the of sound a, was atrocious. He said it was probably the not, worst sound he had at Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that great. And, you know, they, that sort of um, really washed out video aesthetic that people hate um, you know, that early video sort of aesthetic, you know, it's, it's, it's all there and, you know, uh, just, they shot it probably on, I think it was on mini DV tape. Um, yeah. and so, you know, <laughs> you know, just cause it was but, cheap. It's like a $3 tape, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was their parents. I think they use their, like one of their parents' old cameras and things yeah. like that. And so, um, you know, there's, you know, of course now that, that would be, that kind of quality is replaced by your phone where you can, you know, use Filmic Pro and all these other different things. And so your quality, you know, may be up from that, but at the same time, sort of don't, you should be expecting those kind of results. You should be expecting that, not the other, you know what I mean? You're not going to be that sort of uh, thing right out of the box. And, I, and, and certain and movies can work to that aesthetic. Like we said, you know, like when this is John style, but like, maybe we should you should probably be erring towards that in your design um rather than trying to make fetch happen and try to you know uh yeah i i always try to like warn warn folks um whenever they're picking their stories you know again it's i think we talked about this a little bit uh when how to write for low budget but if you if you are coming up with a story and it's very um fantastical in some ways like like let's say if you're like oh you know exterior mansion it's like shit we already gotta go get a mansion yeah uh, you know i had i had a story i was watching somebody do it i'm not gonna this film this film suffered a couple of situ things and i'm not here to make anybody feel bad but one of the things they had is they needed these like posh suited government men to like run after this this person who is like you know conspiracy theorist and the government people we're all wearing like ill-fitting suits and like yeah. fake guns. And uh, one of them had like really bad, like pandemic hair. And like, you're like, these aren't real G-men. Like, you know, and-, and you Not only that, but like, do, I mean, let's just start with dudes in suits. Like, do you know how hard it is to get like a suit that like, you know, yes. like I don't have a proper fitting suit. Like, you know, yeah. like I don't, and I'm gonna like almost a 40 year old man. And yeah. I, you know, it's just like, if I don't have to, to wear one, I won't. And like, if I do have to get one, I, I try to rent because yeah, the yeah, idea of me paying like, you know, like three, $400 for yeah. like even a low tier suit. Yeah. Like, come on. And then to something that's actually looks, you know, decent on you. Like, you know, that has the sort of semblance of being like uh, tailored. Like you said, like a thousand dollars for a suit. Come on, get out of here. There's yeah, and and that's always the thing that like cracks me up is sometimes they're like, okay, this guy's like a crime boss, and then he comes out in like a ill-fitting suit, and I'm like, well, he's a type of crime boss. And I don't know <laughs> if I'm terribly afraid of him. And so you know, it, this is not to mock. You're better to go the other way, where it's like he's in like a tracksuit or something like that. You right. Know? I was yeah. like, you know, like think about what you can pull off. Um, that isn't going to take you again a thousand dollars to make a suit because you know let's say if you're, you're watching like it's been a while that's your budget right there right. Um, you know think about the things that you already have that you can play into for your story because too often I think we run into people and we're like uh, do your story and they start imagining things outside their life outside their home um, that they don't have access to and the, the irony is if you can take things that you have like I have a backyard 
which is um, unusual, I suppose. It's in Orange County, not LA. So that's why I have a bit of a backyard. And, um, you know, I have like a, a stupid old kidney bean pool from the 70s. Like it's, it's like not the world's most attractive pool, but it does exist. And right. I'm like, that's a scene right there. If you can think of who would be around that kidney pool from the 70s. Um, but if I said Olympic sized swimming pool and somebody's training for the Olympics and that's my story, I don't have a set. You know, and so right. you need to start using the things that you potentially have. Much well, like I was thinking design. like, you know, like to use your sort of mob boss idea, if you had a, like a person who came in and sweats, who was like sweating and had a towel like wrapped around their neck. And it's just like, you know, the mob boss comes in, it's like, excuse me, I was working out. And then you hear from like the background of the door, they're just like, oh God, it hurts so much. Yeah. And you realize, <laughs> yeah, like, that was you the realize they're working with like beating the shit out of somebody. Yeah, like, yeah, immediately yeah. that's a character moment and it's something that you can do for cheap. Like you don't have to have like, you know, all of that is something that you can, that's the kind of stuff that you get away with, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, and I think, I think it's a, uh, too often when we try to make little indie films, we try to imitate what we see like Universal Pictures right. doing. And and it's, um, why? Why would you, I mean, not, I know why, because those are the things you like to watch, but why when you have all these other very specific individual PD things that like, if Universal tomorrow said, we need a scene at a 70s type kidney bean pool, they're probably SOL. They probably feel like go build one or big, do a big house hunt. I'm just sitting on one. All I have to do is think of something to do there, you know, and it's, it's that sort of situation where, you know, when we create, oftentimes we try to create on a blank page, but I really encourage like the indie folk to make a list of the things that they have already that cost nothing um, that they can utilize. Even if it's like, oh, it's my friend's house or, you know, I think Megan was talking about uh, in, the, in the short, it's been a while last week, they had, he knew he had access, the director had access to his ex-girlfriend's cat. Right. Uh, so he knew he could put a cat in the last shot. Um, and she said for another short that they, they knew, she knew that if she left her apartment, that her dog would go put himself in a room. And so they, they mimicked that with the, with the camera up and they got a trick from a dog. Um, right. Because she already knew she had that. Um, and so it's kind of like, it's good to make a list of the stuff you already have because you're a person. Um, and so you do have things that are happening in life. And then also trying to find little moments like a, this is John or, or it's been a while where you can just take something that- maybe, Yeah, something that we haven't really seen that sort of, that sort of like really expresses like a conversation that you've had with friends or I think, yeah. I actually saw this article or I can't remember if it was an article or a tweet, but there was some uh, screenwriter was some sort of like um, muckety muck screenwriter was worried about the fact that, um, and if I find the article, I'll put it in the show notes, but they were worried about the fact that the current generation of screenwriters is going to do what you were saying is like they're writing more from their experience because we are so, um, we like our pop culture is so media savvy. Like there's so many things inside of our culture that people are gonna be drawing from that rather than their real lives. Um, which I think is the reason why you get so many things that I can't stand, which is like, you know, writers write about being writers, um, you know. Yeah, that's, that's is, always, mm, that's always like a rough one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not we've talked about that before. Never successful, like, but like, it's like, don't do it. Rare. Like, don't, yeah, it's don't rare. do it. But yeah. like, you know, but like, 
I think you and I are sort of like, you know, uh, not unique, but you know, like both of us have had like many, many day jobs and many, many lives. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so we get to sort of draw from that. Um, I have a rich tapestry of experiences that I can draw from as a, you know, as a wage slave in uh, this uh, corporate monstrosity that we call America. And so there are all sorts of like experiences that I have as an employee that I can draw from. Uh, being an employer at times when it comes to indie film or, you know, uh, you know, trying to start a small business, you know, things of that nature several times at this point, um, you know, and even just my experiences as like, you know, like, like the stories that I could tell that I tell people of like my, my days as a, as a wedding videographer, um, you know, just the people always like, really that kind of stuff happens. I'll be like, you'd be surprised what happens at a wedding, <laughs> dude. Like I've as many, many times as we've seen wedding movies about weddings, I'd still have stuff that, that has happened to me that I have never seen on screen at a wedding. Like there are things that we all go through collectively, things like weddings, things like funerals, things like, um, you know, birthdays and, um, parties and Thanksgiving and though there are things, conversations and arguments and experiences that are, that are unique to a type of, uh, they're unique to groups, specific groups, you yeah. know, like there's a poly Thanksgiving movie that is in my head now that is <laughs> just like, uh, that is, is burning a hole in my brain. I'm dying to do a poly Thanksgiving movie. Um, <laughs> Like, I want to, I want to see it, Rob. Yeah, um, I really want to do that. Um, you know, like, you know, that sort of thing. And so, you know, there are, there are cultures and things that are, that are available to our experiences, um, you know, from our experiences that people have not seen. Um, you know, we are just getting into trans narratives and still have not scratched the surface of LGB. Um, you know, anti like narratives, like we, oh, have, yeah. we have not, um, you know, like, yeah, um, I mean, I, I totally agree. And also I think like, like a poly Thanksgiving story sounds to me like it'd be a feature. Right. But I think, I think like if, if you take some moments of stories that you've told about your life, um, you probably find in there, there's probably a really good short, um, mm -hmm. that because it's your life, maybe you've overlooked it um right that is maybe a good starting point it doesn't have to be what your short is about but i've i've had some you know moments in my life like even just um i don't know how or why but since my house is on the end of the street there's this guy who always comes by trying to buy my car on the driveway and i get it it's like <laughs> not the car. he's always trying to haggle me and i'm like no that's like my car like please stop and he's just like no nah, it's a piece of shit and I'm like, I know, but I take it to school. Right, I, you know? I know, but I needed to go back and forth. Right, um, and like, like that's. I'll give you two hundred dollars for it, and you're yeah, like, I, <laughs> like, yeah, I, and I'm like, I'm like, no, like, <laughs> I need it. That does sound like a really funny short. I would watch that. That sounds funny right, as fuck. Right, and like that's just something that has happened to me once on my lawn, you know, or twice yeah. on my lawn. Uh, and, and like, I think we can all kind of find moments, especially if we're, where I think as writers, what we can do is be a little perceptive or keep a little notebook and write down situations you think are funny or interesting or unique. Um, you know, another, another thing that, and, and like, 
it's it's kind of blends into the creative nonfiction world. Like mm-hmm. if you read like a, I love a good David Sedaris like creative essay. Um, but those moments, what's so great about those stories is uh, once you kind of get to look at your character and your person and who you are, you can also kind of put your flaws in there or know what some of the flaws are. I think you got to be kind of in tune with yourself. Because right. um, <clears throat> he has like, when you're reading like his, uh, his, his last book was like various snippets and writing. And a lot of it was about uh, like a period when he was on a lot of meth and his boyfriend <laughs> broke up with him, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that takes, you have to be, pretty humble and, right. and and honest with who you are to put down some of that stuff or realize like that's a story there where like in the middle of that he didn't understand why maybe his boyfriend didn't want to be with him right uh, you know and you're Could like be oh, the meth mm-hmm. might be the meth yeah might be the meth um luckily like he's he's figured some of his life out but you have to kind of be able to look at that ugly side of some of the lessons you learned and 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 he's got his own like uh i'm pretty sure he has his own master class so he was probably buying a lot of meth you know what i mean like i think i think it was before he hit it big oh okay yeah uh he was back when he was still in his days at like the he was always at like the ihop smoking cigarettes and late writing late at night yeah nice and i guess doing the meth the halcyon Um, days the halcyon days um but yeah but i think i think you have to sit there and i'm not saying anyone needs to go do math but i'm like you have to kind of look at some <laughs> of the stupid stuff you've done and been like can i analyze this because because this is probably where story comes from uh i remember for example um i mean this is not just like storytelling time i suppose sure it is it's screenwriting therapy session baby. yeah i i remember for example um i was just trying to find the right story uh i got drunk at a and this was like at a chapman way back in the day chapman like a business card meetup and i in the middle of the meetup got very drunk um and instead of negotiating or meeting people i forewent the entire meeting and got pancakes that's all i wanted like i left all my business opportunities and i had this crusade for pancakes and like i woke up the next day you know afterwards and i was like Oh, I got my pancakes. And I was like, I'm pretty sure there were some execs I was supposed to talk to. Uh, but I, I didn't do it because pancakes went out and you sit there and you're like, you're like, who am I that I chose drinking and pancakes over actually negotiating, you know, meeting people. And I look back and I was like, probably not a good career move, but delicious pancakes. And I just have to recognize I had a, that. I had, a, I had a different experience because I'm never the drunk one. Cause I don't drink. So I'm always the sober. I'm always the designated driver. And Bless I had, yeah. Yeah. And I had like a sort of um, uh, sort of moment where like, um, you know, I was at a, uh, I was at a, my own New Year's Eve party and, um, you know, I was with my, my girlfriend at the time who was now my wife and she had come over right up until I had the, like the ball dropped and then she left, you know, cause she had to get home to the kids and, um I remember afterwards I went out with these two drunk women um you know who were just obsessed with getting McDonald's french fries um and that sounds right yeah and they were convinced that McDonald's was going to be open after midnight on New Year's Day uh you know and (laughs) and they were just they were yeah very belligerent and angry about it, you know, like, you know, and I wasn't going to let them drive. So I drove them, you know, to McDonald's, which was closed, of course, and had been closed for hours. And, you know, there was no, you know, um, 
you know, French fries for them. And I remember thinking like the old me would have like, you know, tried to turn that into an opportunity for like, you know, to sort of turn that on its head where, you know, like I sort of benefited from, you know, their misfortune, um, let's say. Um, and, you know, I remember just being like, you know, like I have a girlfriend and, you know, having that sort of moment myself be like, wow, like I really care about this person. Like, this is not just a casual thing. Like this is something that's actually real. You know, because I had like no interest in like trying to <laughs> turn the situation to my advantage. You had no like, interest in drunk French fry loving drunk women. French fries girls. No, we're like, oh god, these girls are so awful. Um, and just like I was like, oh, like there was like a moment of like that sort of thing where it's just like all I wanted to do was be like, you know, um cuddling with this person who had to like leave. Um, and sort of like what that meant to me um you know in this moment where these two drunk women are, are, are like trying to get me go from one mcdonald's to another donald's except as if that the, <laughs> the result was going to be any different um <laughs> like no this closed it's new year's eve day oh my now. God. yeah um, exactly and and so a story like that is a very small story but right. it, you know it's in it is impactful and I think, I think we just need to, especially just like, if, if you are going to go and make something, these are the stories that are really gems. And, you know, I think uh, embracing who you are and who your life is, um, is probably going to help with your voice. So you're not just mimicking on, on film. Yeah. Uh, other things you've seen um, and, and putting some of that in there. Because I think I think, and this is me as a filmmaker and stuff, it's really easy to want to mimic and impersonate and be like, oh, I can do this cool shot just like so-and-so. And you're like, that'd be fine. Uh, but, you know, it's, this isn't, uh, this is storytelling. It, you know, it's not like uh, practicing your arpeggios or something. You actually have to piece it all together. Um, so I think, I think, uh, I think you're right. And, and um, I think that that's probably our sweet spot here that we probably would have, um, we all benefit from as, as indie filmmakers is finding those golden yeah, moments. Yeah, tell that those stories that, you know, people, I, I, I always think, you know, like, you know, I, one of the things that I think, you know, is like people always talk about the fact that Hollywood doesn't make any, they don't make any original films anymore. Um, one of the things that like I sort of, well, I don't know, because I do watch a lot of shorts, but I probably could be watching more, obviously. But I yeah, feel like, same here, same like, here. you know, when we when we do sort of hold like certain things up, it's very rarely um, something like an awkward black girl, um, you know, where it's something that like, if you look at that show, I mean, that sh that show is sort of like the definition of like, you know, what Noam Crow was probably talking about, you know, where like someone took something that was, you know, yeah, personal, yeah. not just personal, but it was like, if you watch those few episodes of Awkward Black Girl, they're not that great technically. They look terrible. Um, yeah. They, you know, they're clearly the work of like one or two people, like operating, somebody operating camera and somebody acting. And, you know, probably the same people uh, editing, editing. And, and like all these other things. And like, turning on the sound recorder right before right. they start the shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like, you know, the work of like cinematic geniuses, although, you know, Issa Rae is clearly a, some kind of a genius. Um, but like, you know, but it, it was a, a personal story that is being told. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it is what sort of we've been talking about where it's, it's like the, the 
like a, a, a space and corner of life that had been previously unexplored. Um, you know, just the anxiety of, you know, keep meeting someone at a traffic light, you know, this thing, person that you're trying to avoid, you know, you just keep seeing them and then like them trying to like wave and you trying to awkwardly be like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Like that sort of, you know, um, like anxiety of that and the, the anxiety of the entirety of that situation, uh, which is, I think is the first episode. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the kind of thing that you can do. And it doesn't take much money to do it. But as long as you do it with passion and you do it with the overall goal is to tell the story. You're not going to necessarily, yeah, yeah uh, authentically. Um, authentically, not necessarily technically. Um, yeah. Like you're not going to get it right the first time. You're not going to, you may not even get it right the fourth or fifth time. You know what I mean? Like I've made three features. I like one. Um, <laughs> um, you know, like that's, that's, that speaks for itself, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, although we, we glorify something like a, this is John by the Duplass brothers. They made it in a few, like a fugue of depression, mm -hmm. uh, because they spent a butt ton of money on a feature film. On a $60,000 feature that went tank it tanked. Um, it tanked. It tanked. Uh, and Mark, I think he, he then he reflectively said it was a really poor choice for them uh, because what they chose was casting Mark as like a competitive runner. Um, <laughs> and he's just, uh, if you see him in his build, like he's not like a, even, even when he was younger, like it's not something you'd be like, oh yeah, that guy's going to totally win a race. Right. Um, and like, so they chose. <laughs> I don't want to run against that dude. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> it's the same thing as like picking, picking mob bosses in ill-fitting suits. Like, right. You know, you're running. And opening. That's going to be our new thing. That's going to, that's a, that's a, like our new meme. That's our, uh, like our new thing. Be like, this is a mob boss in an ill-fitting suit is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So he, it was that kind of choice where he was already like running uphill from what they had. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, their other film that came out after, um, after this is John is much more of them kind of utilizing more of what they have right. uh, and characters. The aesthetic and the, as the, what the they were chair. building. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that that's, that's the real gem and the breakthrough. I think they experience as filmmakers and I think we can do the same with our stuff. Right. Um, <clears throat> our stuff won't look like their stuff because we're different filmmakers, but I think the, the, um, the utilization, you know, the, 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 you know, to that, quick thinking of, well, what do I have? What can I use? All of that, you know, is that's the gift that they give us is that re reminding that our lives are interesting and we have things in our world we can use. Mm -hmm. And that sort of ties in with the economic part of it, you know, with the, the whole, like, you know, uh, what I've said, and I will continue to say on the show is that, you know, if $10,000 is a lot of money, you know, you can do a quite a bit, um, with $10,000 or less, like, you know, like around the world, um, which was my second feature and is the only the, the, the features that I like Ugh. is a $4,000 feature. Sorry, a $3,900 feature. I saved $4,000 because I saved $100 um, for um, uh, my That's late entry into um, South by Southwest where we had, they gave us an extension on the Ooh. date 
um, based on the script. And that was, that's sort of like my uh, shame is that like, as much as I love the movie and I'm not gonna let that like detract from that movie because I love that movie. Um, like we sent them the script to um, around the world and they gave us an extension. And so we shot the film and then I had a month to edit it after we shot it. And I put the, the whole, like a rough cut of it together, like in where I was sort of doing these, you know, 20, like, um, like these sort of 21 hour days where I was like, you editing know, work, editing and working and parenting and like all those other things. And then like, you know, like doing it all again for like a month. And I put together a rough cut and I took that $100 left that we had from the budget and sent it to South by Southwest and did not get in. Um, but you know what? Uh, still love that film. Still love it. Um, and the fact that it's been viewed almost a million times on the internet uh, with other people liking it as well. Um, you know what? Pretty proud of that. Pretty proud of that. So um, yeah, you don't have I mean, to have a lot of money, um, but it does take some money. Yeah, it takes some, and it takes a little something, uh, right. especially if you're going to do something like a feature where that's a longer narrative. I think you can do short for far less money. So especially if you're starting out and you're like, I think I want to shoot something I wrote or something like that, start small. I actually have a little um, task that I do in my short screenwriting class where I'm like, you, can, you have a page, you have one page, tell a story. Right. What can you tell in a page? And, and, and that's terrifying. Uh, but what I found is I was like, you have a page and you have 30 minutes go in class. And I would say by the end of 30 minutes, each one of them had written a story. Some of them may have needed a little polish or a little execution, but everybody within 30 minutes had a one page story. And most of them were simple little moments that you could fill. Um, and you know, I think one of them, probably one of the ones that was the most complicated one was a story where two people were in two houses staring across the street at each other, having, you know, moments, missed moments. That would probably be the, the, the hardest thing to produce because you have to get two houses across the street from it. Uh, or oh, worth it if you could pull it off. That sounds like something I'd watch. Yeah, um, absolutely. Or, or you just have to fake it um, and have right. two different houses yeah, and, and then make it seem like that's a house. So, I mean, that was the hardest, I think, technically. Um, but you could potentially even pull that off. And what's nice is, Something that's like a page or two, you can film that in a day. Mm -hmm. You can you can bring everybody in. You can you know if you want have a day in advance where you're going to plan the blocking or what you know where the camera and the lights are going to go, and then have people come in and you can film that page. Or um, just like anything else, you know there there um you know even the pros um, right now um, are doing table reads over Zoom. Yeah. Um. You know there I are I there are tools that are available yeah. available to you you know, for cheap or free, um, you know, if you want to do like, you know, like a, like a FaceTime or, or a Zoom or, or whatever like that, like a table read over Zoom, you know, and you can do the blocking on the day, um, you know, especially for something where it's like, you know, one page where you might be able to take five hours and shoot one page. Yeah, um, which and, is 
when I'm on an indie set, what, five hours to shoot one page is luxurious. Yeah, it's luxurious, right? Take five hours, shoot one page. Give it all um, the love you need. Yeah. Right. All the coverage in the world. So, you know, all you got to do is, like you said, do like, you know, one Zoom thing before you get on set, then just work out the blocking on set and just like, just do it. And like, you, like, you know, like you were saying, five hours for one page. Like you have all the time in the world, it seems like to do the, you know, as long as it's not like, you know, super complicated, like that sort of thing. But even if you're doing like the whole thing is in one shot, you know, you, how many times are you going to get that at like a, a chance at the, you know, a chance at bat with that yeah. kind of, with those kind of time. But, you know, that is, that's, you know, I think, uh, I think we've, we've, we've had a nuanced conversation. We've, we've, yeah. And I yeah. think, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's really hard to put up. A, I know we have to wrap this up because we have lives and it's, it's lunchtime. You've already been like, mm, I'm going to go get Wendy's. Yeah. Um, Wendy's. Uh, but, but uh, I think it's, it's when you see a text that's goes, basically says, go make movies. It, I think it rings a little hollow. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, thanks. You know, of course <laughs> I'll just, you know, it's like, it's like a crypto person being like, go become a billionaire. You're like, oh yeah, that was the thing holding me back is your one fucking tweet. Thank you. Um, but I think when you- Oh, there's another conversation also to be had, you know, in terms of like, uh, like agents, like gatekeepers, like doing something in that thing. Because to me, it's like a gatekeeper isn't going to respond to your film necessarily. I think they give a fuck about films. But what they're going to respond to is engagement. If you have, if you take a film and you reach an audience of 1 million people, that is what they're going to respond to. Not necessarily the film, but the engagement of said film. And so yeah, I, I mean, that's what mean, people will respond to rather than the actual yeah, film itself. Yeah, or that you've built a brand or a reputation right. that you've done more than one film. And I think... I think or if it I'm makes gonna, a certain amount of money. Yeah, or, you know, you could... I mean, I think the fantasy here is that the agent sees the film and it's just a great film and they just see all the potential and maybe that's enough. Yeah, but I just don't in my that. in my experience in in meeting and knowing reps in LA and stuff, they're often very cautious for good reason, which is that you know they only have much they only have so much energy and resources. They're usually like a one person, um, you know, so they can't run around repping every single person that has an interesting film, uh, mm. partly because they have a bunch of other people they already rep. Like even if a rep right. is only picking up, you know, they might be four, representing like 17 to 20 other people. Yeah. You know, even if they're only, and so well, imagine that like you already rep 17 to 20 other people, right? they all need your love and attention. You know, if something comes through, maybe you could bring another person on board, maybe. And then these people, oh, you know, one guy was telling me he gets like 50 queries in his inbox at least every day. And, uh, you know, he always tells me if it's, if it has a script attached, I just automatically delete it. I don't even, I don't even read it. Cause that's- Yeah, I've heard that. That's yeah. pretty much the rule. I, it's, I, even, I, it doesn't, but it could, because it's against their instructions. Not you know, just they have the log lines too, unless they request it log yeah. lines and um uh you know uh some of them do log lines like yeah know, i was gonna say to... if you put it in your query it's still considered like okay but yeah. you shouldn't be sending them attachments of any sort um but but yeah i mean these people even if they saw your film and liked it a lot of times what i get from these people is they go oh that's good loop me in on your next thing like i want to see more of you that's a right. great thing um but basically they're sitting there going okay i like what i see but 
you know, I, again, I have 21 people waiting on me. Like I can't jump ship and tell them I don't care about them anymore to just be on the KTEX with train. Right, so like yeah. you're, you got to kind of build up that relationship and the momentum if, if that's the route you want to go. Right. Um, and if it's not, then just make your own stuff and don't worry so hard about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, there are ways to go about it. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think we've had a very nuanced conversation about this. Um, mm -hmm. Much more nuanced than, than uh, I think um, that I thought I was capable of just because Good. I'm, you know, very much like a, you know, I'm very much like, go out and fucking make it. Um, <laughs> right, I, right, right. Because I do feel like, you know, there is that sort of, I don't want to discourage people and I don't want to give people excuses. Like you, you, you can't actually do things like, like we were talking about, there are things that you can do, like where you can sort of minimize, um, you know, even if you do have to operate the camera, even if you do have to do every job and stuff like that, there are ways for you to like write yourself, like you said, like a one page, you know, short, if it's just, and then and the, at that point, just say, I'm not trying to win Sundance. I'm not trying to get into Sundance or South by Southwest or any of these film festivals with this. I'm just trying to learn something. I'm trying to learn my craft. I'm trying yeah. to, uh, you know, there's a certain um, thing that I'm trying to get out of this that is craft-minded and not necessarily like am something that's I think is going to pull me into, you know, conversations with Kevin Feige about directing, you know, the next Marvel movie, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not going to do your one, your one minute short is not going to do that. I mean, maybe, you know, that, you know, the, there are, there are the David Sandbergs of the world, um, you know, who, um, you know, who do something like Lights Out and then end up directing, you know, major Hollywood films. Those things do happen. But he didn't, David Sandberg, if you listen to any of the, the interviews about it, that wasn't his goal. He was just trying to make films with his wife. It was just the two of them making yeah. films at home. They were just making things because they love making things. And yeah. so, you and know, I think that, that led to probably better storytelling and better overall, you know, Right, because they, they were put writing their passion turned, in there. It, sh yeah. it showed up. Yeah, they were doing what turns them on rather than what they thought might get them noticed. Yeah, um, and so that's what it's about. That's yeah, you know, and it. It also means if, if lights out never took off and never got him Hollywood work, they'd probably be still very happy with what they made mm -hmm. and working on another one, which right. is which is uh you know, it's one of those shoot for the moon and land among the stars you know either way they would have been happy um and i think it's it's finding that happiness even when you're doing uh you know you are just doing stuff for you and your friends and your you and your wife or you know you um and finding that happiness in there because that's something you have control over um it's you know whether or not you're going to fit in the wheels of hollywood or any industry that eh, you don't know you just don't know well, um, Kate Tuxford, that sounds like a really great sort of... Uh, Let's end it here. Yeah. Yeah. That it, uh, leads to our resource of the week, which is, I'm going to put it out there, David F. Sandberg. Uh, he has a YouTube channel, channel called Pony Smasher. Um, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and it has, uh, David F. Sandberg is very much like us. More specifically, he's very much like me. He's a Black Magic stand. And he owns a pocket cinema camera himself, which he does use on films like Shazam and Lights Out and all of, you know, and, uh, well, not Lights Out, but definitely the Shazam movies. 
and Annabelle, and he's used uh, Blackmagic's cameras on um, most of the uh, Hollywood films um, that he's made. And he is a DaVinci Resolve stand, and he understands the same way that I do that, you know, DaVinci Resolve, uh, you know, is sort of, if you're an independent filmmaker and you don't have a lot of money for films, um, you know, they're doing a great service by giving you a free world-class editing program and cameras with the, some of the cheapest, um, you know, price points for entry. Um, so yeah. Pony Smasher, uh, there will be a link in the description, um, a great YouTube channel, and he does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and he also does, like, you know, equipment lists of things on how to get started by making films um, for super cheap uh, if you're just making films in your house. So that is your resource of the week. Um, uh, Kate Tuxford, uh, that was a pretty good therapy session. I feel better. Yeah. I don't um, know if anyone else feels better. We were very doom and gloom for parts of it. Uh, but, but hopefully you kept listening and you felt satisfied by the end. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. But that is our show. Screenwriting from the Trenches can currently be found on Anchor, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts, as well as kevinlmartin.com. And since we are a new podcast, we'd appreciate if you dropped us a like or rated us five stars on whatever platform you patronize because... Algorithms. Uh, for questions uh, for us that we can and will answer on the show, email me at rob at You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BespectacleMofo. I am at K underscore Tux. And these things, as well as my YouTube channel, where I have a digital series, How to Make a Movie for $1,000, will all be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves. Mm -hmm.